Go on then. What are we watching? Oh, what about... Uh... In the... Uh, with Sky Stream. The new way to get Sky without a dish. Stream unmissable Sky exclusives like True Detective and Netflix shows like The Gentleman all in one place. For just €25 a month for 12 months. Search Sky Stream today. New customers only. 12-month minimum term. Requires broadband. Further terms apply. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent and you can listen to my podcast Crime World wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Friday's Throw-In, our special weekly show with Philly McMahon bringing you all the big talking points from the Football Championship. I'm Sinead Kassan and Conor McKeown from the Irish Independent is also here. Uh, Philly, how does it feel not to be involved for the first summer in 14 years? I'm still not sure yet. Yeah. I, I think uh, when I get into watch the lads playing championship, it'll feel a little bit different. Um, although when I was a kid, when I went to games to Crow Park with my dad, I wasn't that fella that would be sitting in, you know, screaming his head off, come on, you boys in blue or in the hill. Like, you know, I was never that. I was always kind of reflecting back. I was always studying the game. Right. And maybe that came from a little bit of a soccer background. And uh, yeah, so so for me, at a young age, I'd watch the defenders instead of if the ball was up the other end, um, I'd be watching what the forwards would be doing. I'd more be interested, intrigued in that. And yeah, so so that might follow me after since I've finished as well into a coach, coaching aspect. But um, I've always really studied the game rather being like the fella that's standing there screaming his head off at the front, you know, being a spectator. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I hope that I can enjoy it a little bit as well as as well as studying it and seeing you know, uh, kind of just, you know, looking through the eyes of an ex-player, I think is going to be exciting for me. And, and and also I'm going to miss it. Like I'm going to miss the lads, the banter, the change room, the atmosphere, the buzz. But hopefully I can get that now as, as somebody sitting in the stand. Will you go to the games or have you been to any of the league games? Is that too, or is that too close just yet? I haven't met the many now, to be honest. I wanted to have a little break from it because um, I just finished. But also having the new baby is has given me some uh, time constraints but yeah no I'll definitely get into the games um, there's nothing bad is there when the weather's good the summer the summer's here and the football is flowing and getting into into the stadium and, uh, and whatever it is if it's, if it's down the country or if it's in Crow Park it, there's, there's, a, there's an experience in it so I'm, I'm definitely going to get to the games yeah It's going to be different kind of championship structure as well Connor, isn't it this year the All-Ireland Football Final on the 24th of July it is crazy to think that this championship is going to be wrapped before the August Bank Holiday weekend yeah, it is nuts. And um, <clears throat> I saw one of our esteemed colleagues, Donica Boyle, well, tweeting about it. He got himself in a bit of trouble, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And the irony being that, you know, <laughs> Donica is devoted to club Die man. Hard. But um, no, no, it's it's a mad thing. I think it'll probably be reversed as well next year because next year with the new format, there's going to be more games. So I, I'm not sure that they can... Like the, like the championship starts this weekend. The, the hurling round robin, the preliminary round in Ulster all happened this weekend. And it doesn't exactly feel like kind of championship out there, but I don't mind it starting early. But it's 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 the it's the early finish, and the concession that it makes to the Irish sporting calendar. Because you know, if you look at the twenty fourth of July, 
the All-Ireland final is over. There's no World Cup this year until December. Um, I'm just talking about big ticket sporting items that kind of command the public consciousness. So the GA is effectively conceding that. Now, there's a Phillies in this situation now as a primarily a club player. But this idea that if you finish up the county season earlier, that the club then receives the attention that would have got like the 1.2 million people who watched the All-Ireland final are all going to be down watching their local club. That just won't happen. You know what I mean? Like we have to be a bit more realistic about this. Like I love football in Hurland. I cover it for a living, but there aren't many county finals or county semi-finals if they were on the television outside of your own county, you go out of your way to watch. So like the, the you know, it's it's great that club players get a get more of a of a window. But I suppose if the All-Ireland final is in the middle of August, say, you're still only talking about two counties that have to delay the start of their championship and the last thing is I, I suspect an awful lot of those county championships won't begin a whole pile earlier anyway because the summer is a time for holidays and, and you know county leagues will go ahead as they were before so it seems like a big concession and I would be surprised if it wasn't revised at the end of the year What do you think Philly? I'm glad Connor started with it because it gives a, a more contextual kind of view of it which is brilliant um, for me I can probably bring in the experience of being a player and now being a club player like so you have to think about it from the point of view of who does it affect, right? So from the from the county point of view, if you it'll only affect a small amount of, of counties, right? So in, in a positive way, because the one thing you want as a player is to finish a little bit earlier so you can get a, a nice sunny holiday and you don't have to spend massive money to go somewhere really foreign, uh, sorry, some like some Caribbean or, or you know, somewhere warm. Because when you finish let's say when I first started in September, everywhere's freezing. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't go anywhere, right? So it, so that's a little bit of a benefit, but that only affects the teams that are getting to the latter stages of the championship. Um, and now if you look at the, obviously that being pulled back year by year, um, every year I was playing, it was getting less and less time. And then you have the Talton Cup being even further. So um, so it only affects the small, in, in terms of inter-county, it doesn't affect a huge amount of teams. Only the teams like that really get to the further end of the championship are kind of going now this benefits me um, I think and I'm going to think out to the box here in this I think you could have an exodus of players going to the States here that's been said yeah yeah. you know I really do I think you know it's um, it's a, it's it's a, it's a really thing that a lot of county players or club players are, are experimenting with and it hasn't happened in the, the with the COVID years the COVID seasons we call it and I think we'll see a few players going over, like, you know, especially if you get knocked out early in the Talton Cup, like, uh, and you get over there and you finish, I think, what's it, maybe June, I think it's, you, you have to get over there, boy. And so, and then you get back for the, your club as well, like, because, so that's one area I think will be affected. Um, like, I can't see big county club championships being played in the height of summer, which is effectively what this is trying to generate. Yeah. There's too many variables, there's too many, um, like, the one thing the club players will tell you is that what they actually want is certainty. So, but I don't see too many fixture lists out yet in counties with regards to the championship. Even in the, say, the years, and like Philly and Ballymun would have been mostly affected by this given the number of Dublin players that they had. But even in the years that All-Ireland Finals went to replays and the Dublin Senior Football Championship was starting in October, I was talking to people who, who were club players around that time and they didn't mind so long as they knew. Now, it was run off like a blitz. You know, it was actually great for spectators. You'd be up in Parnell Park nearly every night of the week. There'd be big games going on and they'd be very thick and fast and it'd be run off in a small period of time. Now, ideally, they'd be taking place in the height of summer, but I still think, like, if Dublin went out of the championship in June this year, I still don't think those games would take place in the height of summer. I still think there, there'd be a delay in it. So, you know, I, un- I understand that this... 
debate becomes very polarised. It becomes you're either pro the county or you're pro the club. But I think the devil is in the detail. And when you go into it a little bit deeper, um, it, it just seems a little like two or three weeks a little bit too early because, you know, we're all of an age where All-Ireland Finals were part of your cultural calendar. You know, you were back at school, the evenings were short in September. That's probably gone now. Um, and I think it's a big shame. But... In the in the bigger picture, for the for the greater good, I think they should come back. But if, if they've come back too far, so do you think this could change again next year? Yeah, I think it probably yeah. will. I think there'll be a review at the end of the year, and there's a new format for the football championship coming next year, which will have a greater number of games. So, um, yeah, and do you know what? In a weird way, the GA have landed on on a calendar that sort of works to an extent because. The first rounds, as we'll see this weekend and for the next couple of weekends of the football championship are very slow burning. They're not particularly interesting or but full of entertainment. Been but at least the hurling now, like yes. the hurling round robin is brilliant. Like yeah. that will command the attention from this weekend. That will be huge. Um, so they actually have a calendar that kind of works in terms of how it's uh, digested by people who are interested in sport. But again, I just think, I mean, from the 24th of July, between the 24th of July when the All-Ireland final is played and the first county final that people will be interested in, you're still going to have five or six weeks of of kind of dead time when it comes to the GA having an imprint on kind of people's attentions that way, you know. Yeah, no, I think it's a big loss. Um, Connor mentioned Dublin there, obviously Philly, um, Division 2 League Football next year. So will we see a revitalised better Dublin in the Championship? You know, what are your inside sources in Dublin telling you about the state of Dublin football going into this Championship? I think so. Um, that's a big t- I think so it should, <laughs> it should be a bit more definite but yeah I t- like the big thing for me is obviously all the lessons that they, they've taken doesn't become the problem then they don't focus too much on it but they take them as lessons and they build and they build and they build um, the focus then could be generally drifting towards how carrier the favourites and how they play and who they have and that can be a distraction instead of focusing on what you're good at and what your strengths are so this little space between the league and the championship is going to be vital for them. I think them having that break is going to be massive and, and regenerating the... They're in Portugal, the or they were in Portugal on a, on a training camp, which is... I've no comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's a, it's interesting because Jim, it's something that Jim Gavin never did. Like, he, he point, pointedly yeah. didn't take them away. So obviously, you know, it's a... It's a what, why didn't he, Philly? Uh, well, it's different circumstances yeah. now. Look, you know, there's, a, there's an environment now that's being created and it's probably more negative and... I actually said it in one of the first columns. They need to go away. Yeah, yeah, and just they need to go a trip. Spend like, a bit of time away, together, a few drinks. Yeah, they're in a like they're in a bubble, um, and it's con- it's kind of being constantly targeted and 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 the best thing to do is and, and Jim Gavin would have brought us on weekend camps or yeah. you know he just didn't bring us on a, a sunny like training camp to Portugal or Spain wherever it was, but we did go on camps. We did like. Um, GAA, like football in particular, is like can be a very um for preparation preparation uh timescales can be very uh good. Like con- considering let's say the the world I'm in now with soccer, like it's game nearly two times a week or some sometimes just once a week. You've got three or four weeks to prepare. So in, in some of those uh runs up run running up to the games, we were kind of like week one, we probably only just deloading from the week before week two probably up on the load a little bit week three or week two one of those weeks you probably go down away for the weekend 
And that's just to bring us tighter together. That's a connection piece. Mm. That's that's a safe psychological environment you're, you're creating. And I think um, the lads, if they've, I, I, again, I'm not sure if they've went to Portugal. Connor says they have. But if they have, they um, that's I, I'm assuming that's what they want to create is get away from the noise, get away from the negative energy and reset. What is it like for these players now going into the championship mentally, physically? Is it just absolutely all consuming? There's a buzz, right? There's, there's, um, Jim Gavin would have smartly started us off in the league campaign playing, training in, um, a brilliant GA club called Inishfields, just, just that Bal Griffin there. And nothing fancy, um, you know, it, you know, you're talking pre season here, you're talking the ground is sloppy and, you know, you're going into, you know, basic change rooms. No bells and whistles, get the graft done. And then once the that league campaign is over, the ground is getting harder, the weather is getting better, you look forward to going back up to DCU because you know you're in championship mode. So I would say these lads now are excited for that. They're excited for this is where we want to be. The work and the learns and the lessons and all the good stuff, that's done now. Let's now get into championship mode. Let's get into DCU and get, get going, you know. Will Dublin still win Leinster, do you think, Connor? Yeah, I think they probably will. Um, but they're hard to pin down at the moment just because, you know, if they'd won that Monaghan game, you could be a bit more certain about where they are because whatever was going on early in the league, you could not ignore that, but you could say, well, they've solved, they finished the league by winning three big games to avoid relegation against three good Ulster teams. But the big problem with the Monaghan game is an awful lot of the sort of flaws or faults or weaknesses that they showed early in the league came back to haunt them in that game. You know, the direct ball, leaving the full back line, very exposed. Mick Fitzsimons was left um, with with Jack McCarron in there. So, like, but by the same token, like, like, would you be shocked if Dublin lost in Leinster? No, you wouldn't. But you'd probably be surprised. But by the same token, would you be shocked if Dublin won the All-Ireland? No, but you'd probably still be surprised. <laughs> so, like, for the first time in a long time, trying to pin them down somewhere in that morass of uncertainty are Dublin. And it's hard to kind of pin the tail on the donkey of where exactly they are because um, it, it's, you know, you could always be definite this time of year, Dublin are going to win the league or Dublin are going to win Leinster after coming out of the league. But it's it's a different dynamic now because I remember interviewing a Dublin player a few years ago at the end of the league and it was two days after the league final. We were out in Carton House and he'd been out for a couple of nights and he was telling me about being in the chipper the night before. And and there was like six weeks between the end of the league and the start of the championship. So it may as well have been another season, whereas now there's very little separation between Dublin being relegated and Dublin starting their Leinster campaign. So whatever it is that management are trying to do to get them in the right headspace or whatever else they're trying to do, they need to do it quickly. I suppose that's the point. But, you know, it's, you know if you want to just take it in a practical sense, you know, they'll probably win their first game against Offaly or Wexford. And then after that, there's a draw. So it could be that the only team I think anybody expects could beat Dublin and Leinster or Kildare. It could be that they meet them in a Leinster semi-final. So they'll have to get to a certain peak, at least for that game. Philly, you leave Dublin and it becomes the most open championship we've seen in ages. Yeah, definitely not down to me now. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's been brilliant. I'm, I'm so excited for this year. Like when we're talking about the energy around the championship, like there's so many teams that can... Cause upset great? here, like it's yeah. amazing, like, um, and they so, made for the best. And uh, I'm only using this comparison because it was very different. They made for the best hurling championships over the last few years, 2013, yeah. where there's four or five genuine contenders. You know, we just didn't have that for so, so long. So it's your fault. We yeah, made, it is we absolutely made a bar, so we can understand everybody outside <laughs> of Dublin. Uh, the Dublin fans mightn't be happy with that, but yeah, no, I think it's it's um, 
like for example, I, I heard recently Galway played um Kildare, right? Kildare of Division One, Galway going into Division One next year and Kildare bet them, like, you know. Yeah. So there's so many kind of spin offs of who can do well and who can upset somebody. And the only, the closest we had to that was probably two years ago in a COVID year. Mm-hmm. In in that we had obviously there was a Cork lot of surprises and, and stuff like that. that you know? year, yeah. So, but this is a lot of of the top teams that can cause upset. The Armagh, you know, you've got you've got Roscommon coming strong, Galway coming strong, and then you've got the the teams that were in Division One, and then you've got the two lads at the top, which is Mayo and Kerry, like you know. So, I think it's going to be a brilliant championship. Um, so I'm excited for it. Well, uh, Tyrone obviously start their Ulster Championship on Saturday. They play for Manor and Brewster Park. A lot of players, uh, well, five or six have left the panel. Should we look too much into that? Like they obviously will have their own kind of reasons for it. But is it a good look that up to that many players are leaving a panel after they won the All-Ireland the year before? If it was two or three, I'd be saying, look, they're probably not getting game time or they're just not in the plans for the managers that, that are there. Six players is a huge amount. Like So that, affects the group like and it'll affect the lads that are kind of thinking am I wasting my time here or can I go over to the States and then come back and play club here or you know them decisions so are made So there would be easier. a ripple effect do you think? I think so that? yeah yeah I do um, whether like like I'm not saying the reasons are because they've some sort of relationship uh, upsetting between the management and, and these players um, you can go through the history of those players and much game time they've had but I certainly think there's something going on there. Like there has to be. I don't want to make the, the, the you know the assumption that this is why it is, but there is something going on there. It has to be, and that affects the team. Hundred percent affects the team. So, um, you know, when when Tyrone, we speak about Tyrone last year and and the beating they got down in Kerry, and and I spoke to I love going out to Kerry every summer with with, with, with my wife, and um, we spoke to a publican down there, and he was saying, "Oh, the, the Tyrone boys are in here and." After they got beaten by Kerry, they were hammered. Yeah, and the league, they yeah. were me- all over the shop and they were messing on. I was like, geez, that's Tyrone all over, isn't it? Like, why would you do that? Like, you know, like if that was the dubs, you wouldn't, if you're gone for a point, it'd be probably two or three points, get home, get into bed, get into the hotel and you're gone and that's, that's, that's parked off. But, um, and then they go on to win an All-Ireland, yeah. you know? So they're probably no different to the, where the dubs are in terms of them going on a little break. Tyrone now, um, have a little have have kind of these little holes leaking of energy in the group and I think they need to be plastered over by the management and, and if they do that then they could compete at, at the latter stages of the championship Yeah I suppose they, should, they showed what they could do in Clarny in their last league game you know especially that brilliant goal Brilliant goal yeah from the kick out that'll yeah, wreck, that was amazing. wreck, wreck Kerry's head more oh. than anything else because like mm. two kicks from, from goalkeeper it was actually um, Derek Canavan caught, Derek, caught the yeah. mark and he turned around yeah. and he played it in but I think the point about Tyrone last year is there was an awful lot of things came together for them um, mm. that you'd be surprised the walk over from Kerry yeah, or not the denial yeah well look, they, they had that game moved back now again the merits of that or otherwise they still benefited from a situation that could have gone a different direction um, their midfield pairing like nobody really had those two pegged as a as a big midfield pairing that worked out for them in a big way they, like Cahill McShane couldn't get fit earlier on in the year but then he became a brilliant bench option Derek Hanavan had the same problem um, whereas now you're looking at it and you know I, I was at that game in Killarney I was at a few more and they're good players are still they're good players like it's still it's still Peter Hart it's still Darren McCurry it's still and they've got great ball carriers Gary. yeah Ken McGeary and they have a lot of really versatile players around the middle we're just looking at their forward line and they nearly all take it in turns to be the inside man they don't work off each other 
uh, in quite the same way as other top ten, as definitely the, the Kerry forward line that day, and still they found a way how to win it. Um, so I think they still have a, a very strong team. But the interesting point about the preliminary round this weekend, like if you have to win four games to win Ulster, like in the history of the Ulster Championship, it's only been done, I think, six or seven times. Like Cavan did it in 1945, and then no team did it till Armagh in 2005. And it's just because the level of, of competition that's in that province. Now, Fermanagh is not the hardest game for Tyrone to start off with. But like into the mix of the teams that are strong in Ulster, you have to throw Armagh this year. You have to throw Derry this year. So you're now up to five or six. Like it's a proper provincial championship. Um, and it's in complete contrast to all the rest of them. So I think the only team to win their way through to, the, to an All-Ireland from the preliminary round in Ulster were Donegal in 2012. So that's what Tyrone have to do now. Otherwise, they have to go a backdoor route. And having lost so many good, strong panel options, you'd be surprised if they managed to do that. So, yeah, I think a lot of things came together for Tyrone last year, um, whereas the opposite uh, scenario seems to be happening to them over the last few weeks with regards to losing players. I think I think in, in, in regards to the player thing, the, the loss of players, every time you win an All-Ireland, um, for some reason, I don't know why this happens, Manager, or if you win a club all Ireland or a club county championship, the manager will generally think, oh, I have to work these harder. Yeah, yeah. Right. We have to do more work. We yeah. have to do more of this. Um, and that extra sacrifice builds, a pre- it's like a pressure pot, like, you know. So I would think when you look at um, the lads that they have, the, uh, the lads in management they have right there now, they're going, well, we won an all and we bet Kerry and we bet them through probably game management rather than kind of having a, the physical type Tyrone team that was there, you know, uh, in, in previous years that had won all Ireland. But they, they were smart in the ball, they controlled the game, the game IQ of the players, considering that they had this outbreak of COVID, you know, and you see, you see McGarry's tweet after they won the all and Q Hoers yeah. talking about Kerry, like, you know. Um, you know, that might come back to bite me in the arse, but like, ultimately, what what I would think has happened in that group there is like you have to do more running, you have to do more work, you have to do like so instead of going, do you know what lads, wouldn't it be great for us to do two in a row here? Like let's get the cultural stuff right. Let's get the make sure that we have um an understanding of, you know, what pressures now are being put on these individuals from a media point of view, from an ambassador roles, all of these things. Because you can see the Tyrone lads doing a lot more of that. Um so I think there's probably a missing piece there that they're, you know, if they don't achieve the ultimate goal this year, they'll probably reflect back to a lot of those things because they have the players to do it, by yeah. the way. Because there's no way you can go and win an All-Ireland with the way they've won it and not have, it, you know, going into the second season, uh, sorry, the, 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 the season after that, where can we build on that? Because you've got players. You don't, you don't get rid of that. The players are still there. Yeah. It's the other stuff around, I think, that makes a difference. What way did Jim do it with you then? When you were going well, Jim, to Jim, same as Pat Gilroy, they, we won obviously in 11. We lost 2012. Jim comes in 2013. We lose 2014. I think, and publicly known, we've said that the big difference after 2014, not just because we got this motivation of Hort, the Hort mm-hmm. is probably the biggest motivation you can have, because we, we felt that we could we should have won that game. Like, we just to give you a quick overview. We went out with the intentions to press against Donegal in the semi-final, yeah. So we knew they were playing this new system. Jim McGuinness had brought in defensively. So we said, press up on them, push up really high. And um, when they get men behind the ball, we'll, we'll get our shots off because we'll have a space out here. So 
like myself, I was coming up through the fence. Damer Connie was shooting from the fence. And we were doing well before half time. Just before half time, there was a sense that we dropped off a little bit and we invited them on, they scored a goal. So that that basically get them got them into the game where they felt that they had uh they were in touching distance, I suppose. Second half, the talk was like so half time, the talk was what worked for us in the first half? Well, we pressed the pie, right? And we we said, let's go out and do that. So we went out and done that and we fell into the trap. So that was the most infuriating thing for us as a team, as players, that we were challenged, not physically or outsmarted. We were outsmarted tactically, like, you know. Um, and when we went out and we pushed up, they went along with the long kick out and we were just chasing our tails, going backwards and they scored the goals. So that point on was for us the time we said, we have to be more adaptable on the pitch. And the management would have said, then we have to make you, we have to get you more exposed in training to all of these different scenarios. Yeah. And ultimately, that's how we became this team that was like the ultimate adaptable team. No matter what was thrown at us, we had the answer. And if we didn't, we were okay, we were calm, we were, we were trying to find our way of dealing with it. So I think, um, I'm not sure if Toronto are at that stage yet. I don't think they'll lose the championship this year the, the All-Ireland this year because they weren't adaptable enough tactically. There was a big thing as you well know. that Jim was able to do and whether he did it methodically or it just happened this way, um, I don't know, but every single year of the five in a row, there was a couple of players added to the mix. Um, like in 15, Brian Fenton came in, John Small came in. In 16, um, there was a couple more players come in. Was it 17 then? Brian Howard and Owen Merchant came in and like they weren't just like brought in from the cold. They'd been in the setup and kind of hot housed and didn't really play very many games. But it meant that when they were thrown in the following year, Khan came in in 17. Like there was always one or two players to kind of come into the mix. And it was almost like Jim decided that, look, these fellas are going to be in the team no matter what happens. Um, and he kind of went out of his way to to hothouse them in, in. Like I remember people talking about Brian Howard the year before he came onto the team saying this fellow should be in the team now. But I'm not sure that every panel or every manager that wins in All-Ireland will have that facility. Like I'm sure that they're looking for in Toronto one or two new players to to freshen up the mm. mix and to maybe put fellas on the back foot a small bit and think maybe I have to earn my place in the team. But unless you have those players, I don't think. The key, the key thing though is the environment. Yeah. Right, that's so when you know people go, oh well, Dublin don't have the luxury of bringing one or two players in anymore. The, the talent is probably not coming through as much. The environment has to be right. Like, mm. So if the environment is rotten, and you bring somebody in that's good, you don't get the best out of them, right? So if you've got a really good, I keep talking about a culture, because that's what Pat Gilroy built from a business point of view. Jim then brought the military kind of culture in. But if you've got these lads buying into like a built culture. Then they just add. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have a culture that's like is struggling, and you've got an environment that's struggling, well, then when these lads come in, they probably don't get the exposure they need. They probably don't get the the they don't fulfil their potential because there's all your focus on this stuff. Do you miss that, as you called it, military culture? I was only chatting to a guy today um, about you know going back and playing club. And how I love it, and I, and I'm enjoying the young lads and talking to you and using all the experience I've had playing county to help them get better, and just just going to training and just going, I'm going up here to play football, yeah, you know, and going and playing matches now. I'm playing football because two last two years of my career I didn't play. I played very little football, like, and it's just crazy to think 
this sport I started off because I loved playing football. Now I'm back to that. Um, so there's a lot of good stuff that I miss from 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 the point of view of the subconscious. I suppose I say subconscious, the habits of the environment we are in with Dublin, and that was created through, you know, the massive leadership from the management and then from the players that we had, and all the different diverse backgrounds coming together. Like, um, I'll miss that. Oh yeah, sorry. Go on. But, so I'm in. A, I'm in. A, mm. I'm back in a bubble of kind of uh, probably uh, there's still a diverse background in my club and Ballymun Kickums, but probably them most clubs. But it's it's um, there's a lot of similarities and there's a lot of blind spots that we all have. Like you know, so there's a lot of learning and that and growth in that. When you say military culture, though, like can you just give us examples of what that what that meant? Yeah, people might think military culture means like you have to be there, like our gym will give you press-ups or something like that or yeah you'll you'll get laps of the pitch around it wasn't that like it was just the standards that he set and his management set rubbed off on us and rubbed off on the leadership group and the leadership group rubbed off on the other players maybe the emerging leadership group and new players coming in it was just a strong um system that worked for us you know that was i said it before like when you come into training and you're you're driving in and you you've left work at half five and trains at half seven and you're late because everybody's in the car park and you're like where's my car space gone and they're all there already that wasn't him saying you have to be here at this time it was like someone he was there maybe him and his staff are there maybe four o'clock it's management team and then Stephen Cluxon comes in he's the leader he's there now I just slag him off saying it was because he's a teacher <laughs> and he did nothing in the summer like but the, yeah that's the that's the rub off effect mm. I suppose um, so if someone's listening to this, watching this, saying, I'm going to hear the secrets of what Jim Gavin, how disciplinary he was, or how authoritarian, like he flattened the hierarchy. That's what he did. Oh. Everybody was uh, able to talk, give their opinions. So give the player empowerment type thing is that? Player centric culture, yeah, yeah. That was huge. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, we'll get more of that from you later. Quickly before we go, lads, what in particular are you looking forward to in this championship? Anything in particular? Um, the upsets. Yeah, well, you can't predict them though, can't like, you? Know? If, like the Mayo Galway game is the one that I'm looking forward to, just from a, from a match point of view, um, because unfortunately, outside of Ulster, it, it may well be the only decent game that we have mm. in the province at all this year. Well, I have to say, um, after kind of now, I haven't covered Dublin once this year, but after years of covering Dublin and them being almost. Um, like from a from a story point of view, like not having anything to go on just because they were so good and so reliable to win on. I have to say I'm looking forward to seeing what that becomes this year because they are on the back foot. They have lost the game. They have been relegated. And if you were, still were to go through the first 15, if they were all fit, you'd still think that they were a match talent wise and definitely experience wise and achievement wise for any team in the country. So. How they figure that out or how they don't figure that out, I think are gonna, it's, it's going to be, be a really, really interesting story. Yeah. For me, when you look at it and you kind of break down tactically all the teams that are kind of competing for it, there's not much different. Like They're Can all doing the same yeah. things, you know. And obviously the big change in, in the last, I suppose, 10 years was you know, Jim McGuinness changed the, the, the defensive tactically. I haven't seen anybody doing that different. So I'm excited to look and, uh, like, you'd be silly now to to not know exactly what your opponents are doing because nobody's doing anything different. Kerry, mm. like, 
they've just got unbelievable players but you know what they're going to do they're going to try to play fast transitioning football um, and they'll probably get after your kick out Mayo similar but just have a higher press team Tyrone will bring a bit of physicality but same kind of style get the ball in quick to Canavan and, and probably McShane if he's in there um, all the teams playing a playmaker at number 11 because they know the teams are playing sweepers you know, it's all the same stuff. Like, so I'm excited to see because nobody will play their cars in the league. No. They might throw it in at the odd time. Um, the difficulty is though, if you haven't experimented with it a little bit at the start, it's too it's too late to do it in championship. You're already too if you're if you're a management team now and you're saying, keep those little kind of tactical kind of parts that we don't want to, you know, the rest of the teams to see, we'll do it in the first round or the second round. That's too late. You've only a couple of games to get that right. So unless you play friendlies and you experiment with systems and things like that. I'm excited because I'm a, I would see myself as a tactician when I watch the game. What they're going to do different. Um, I'm excited for how do people mark David Clifford, right? How do they, um, what else is there? Is there, a, is there a difference in the kickouts? Like, you know, because mm. the game has changed so much with the rules, right? It's changed because I don't know, maybe one team was being dominant for so long and they're kind of like, can we stop the kickouts going this way? Can we, you know, but I I would see um, if someone's going to do something different this year, like Armagh has in terms of their offensive dominance that I've seen different to the Armaghs of previous years. That's what's needed. So I'm excited to see that. Okay, great stuff. Well, Philly and Connor, thanks a million for that. Well, that's it from us. You can rate and subscribe to the show. We're on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. We'll be back next Friday. Bye for now. Bye for now.